Ian was the guy with the, the ideas. There was this one moment when he uh, invited me out to a bar and he's like, hey man, I'm going to share with you something, but you can't can't tell anybody about this. You know, he's like conspiratorial dude. And I was like, what's this guy going to show me? Did he kill somebody? What's going on? And he pulls out this funky looking picture of a, well, I didn't know what it was. What is that? And he's like, it's a cat jungle gym. And it's like a cool looking cat jungle gym. And this is the thing that he was worried about me sharing. I'm like, I'm not telling anybody about this. It's crazy. <laughs> This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for six and seven figure entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. Picture yourself spending four weeks with other high level entrepreneurs in the northern mountains of Thailand this coming October and November 2017. It will be full of masterminds, workshops, advisors, like minded entrepreneurs and of course some fun adventure. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. On today's episode, we are joined by one of the leaders in the location independent movement, Dan Andrews. For those of you that aren't familiar with Dan, he is the host of the Tropical NBA podcast and a co-founder of the Dynamite Circle. Dan's podcast happens to be one of the most popular podcasts for location independent entrepreneurs. The Dynamite Circle, or DC for short, is a private online community also for location independent entrepreneurs. Here's what's exciting about having Dan on the show. He is one of the key leaders of a movement that is transforming the way people work and live. Dan and the members of the DC are redefining lifestyle business. Think about the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, and picture 1,000 actual case studies from that book. That is the DC. The members live in cities and countries all over the world running five, six, seven, eight-figure businesses from their laptops with a remote team of international workers and choosing where they want to go and when they want to do it. They live life and create business on their own terms. Today, we will dig into Dan's story and dig into the science of what it takes to build a location independent community like this. We also get to know Dan on a more personal level. You can tell on the show that he is a very deep thinker and we get the chance to ask him some questions that intrigue his thought process to understand why he does what he does. And with that, let's welcome Dan to the show. How you doing, Dan? I'm good. Thank you. And I can sign off on most of what you said as as more or less accurate. Okay. <laughs> Tell me what's inaccurate. If no, there's, <laughs> thank you for the kind words. It's a little, I, I maybe uh, I feel a little flattered. Oh, good. Very well Very, deserved. Yeah. And you're calling in from my favorite city, Barcelona, today, right? Yeah. I noticed that you have a, a photo of uh, Plaza Real on the top, on the cover of the Entrepreneur House. Of course. How could I not? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the best city in the world. I, how much time? How much time do we have to talk about it? We can we can talk about it a little bit. Why is it the best city in the world? Yes, you've been you you've really gotten around. So let's let's put it to tape. I want to hear what your perspective is. The first thing I always knew I wanted to live in a city with mountains and ocean, and okay. a lot of outdoor activity, which Barcelona and Catalonia offer. The second reason is that it's a short flight to sixty different countries which if we ever need a fix to get away from the city for a while, we can go to Morocco, you can go to Bulgaria, you can go to Ireland, and for relatively cheap, even a weekend trip, you can hit those places. The next thing is really the vibe in Barcelona, and I always loved living in walkable cities where you don't need to worry about a car or car insurance or gas or the headache of that. You can walk anywhere you need to go, and you can be out of the city within 20 minutes on a train and be on the mountainside 
doing a nice hike. Yeah. Then I love the fact that I can walk to my grocery store, I can walk to my gym, I can walk to the beach. Also, the next thing is that it's an international community. That it's I almost get bored if I'm around the same culture for a certain amount of time. And I feel like I need some more, a different type of culture or, or vibe. And Barcelona has such an international culture there. So that's my why. Let's ask yeah, you. No, no hyperbole there. And you could just keep going, it seems. You, ha- you didn't even mention the weather. Yeah. That too. <laughs> <laughs> that too. It's uh, the best place in the world. I mean, I, yeah. I agree. <laughs> what are some of your favorite things about it? I like, uh, th- there's a lot of interesting bits in there about, um, you talked you mentioned walking a lot like this is a really dense city it's dense with like life and things to do it's the third densest city in europe mm-hmm. and it has a level of retail and commerce density that is really really unique like the amount of businesses like and i mean restaurants bars shops tiendas whatever that i can walk to within five minutes like there's very few places in the world that have the whole bottom floor of apartment complexes completely reserved for retail space mm. and so just the amount of activity in such a small area is really incredible so it's just it's very inspiring in that way yeah um and then and like you said you can get out of town you don't feel stuck in barcelona yeah. in five minutes you're at the beach five minutes you're at the mountains and then 15 minutes you're just in a village and so you have this great complexity of of, of culture of cosmopolitan city life and then head for the hills yeah and i think that that's something that's a taste bud that we share so to speak is like you know we both like san diego too right yeah um, it's a similar kind of city it's like the american barcelona in terms of the setup it's like there's a lot going on but you can get out yeah i i, I was recently contemplating going to new york um you know i'm either going to go to new york or texas or somewhere else and I just had this feeling like, oh man, like one week in New York is awesome, but like three weeks, it's like, oh, it's just depressing. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I mean, I guess I probably sound a little bit flippant, but um, I've been all around and to me, like Barcelona, if I were like a Sim City player, Mm-hmm. Like I'd be very proud if Barcelona were my ultimate. <laughs> Good reasons. Well, let's jump into you as an entrepreneur, Dan. And I, I feel like a lot of people know you, but we don't get the backstory all that much. So I'd love to hear kind of how you evolved into the entrepreneur that you are today. Sure. You're going to have to direct me though, because I don't even know where to begin. Okay. I'm serious. You're the one working. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love those guests that just kind of come on and just puke on the show. And I I, I literally have nothing. I have nothing of value here. I I have no idea what to say. I'm completely podcasted. I've I've done so many hundreds of of episodes. You know. Uh Yeah. I just have no idea like what I've said before. You know. Uh huh. And I've been doing this for so long. It's like I feel like the longer that you are an advocate for entrepreneurship or, you know, I've done lots of seminars and speeches and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The longer I do it, the less confident I get about, yeah, I don't know why. I just, I feel like when I, I, it used to be that I would like do something, I'd be like, oh, that works. Like, this is how people should run. This is what we should do. This is the lesson, you know? And like, now that I'm older, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Maybe I was wrong about that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, I think maybe that 
we learn like the like a layer of onion they just keep going and going and going and there's no end-all be-all because it's like you're never gonna figure out everything because eventually it's gonna change right yeah and so you learn you spend 10 10 years as an entrepreneur and I think we're both close to that mark and when we were young, I, I, me personally, I thought, well, by the time I'm in my mid-30s, I'll know everything about entrepreneurship and be <laughs> multimillionaire and won't have to ever work again. And I could take care of my family and travel nonstop. But then you get to that point and you realize there's still a lot to learn. Absolutely. And I think, well, there was a thread I was reading recently about this imposter syndrome idea, mm. you know? Yeah. And as, as you get like more and more, quote, successful – um, sometimes you don't feel successful. It can go the other way too, you know? And then you feel like every time you say something, it really has to be great or like really well thought out. Or Whereas when I was younger, I would just be like, hey, I learned this really cool thing. Here's this cool thing, you know? And and I think I've had to relearn that the last year. Is like, hey, it's okay, man. If you just figured out a new way to process your email, you should share that, you know? Yeah. You don't. Not everything you say has to be like this – uh, the way business needs to be run or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, that's been kind of the theme of the last year for me is just like getting back to basics, getting productive, getting my routines down. And um, yeah, because it's cyclical. It's also yeah. onion, onion like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So tell us about your very first business, Dan. Yeah. The first business uh, started very close after I started making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was running this crazy small business in California. I got lucky. I stumbled into a job where there was only 10 people at the company and I basically got an apprenticeship, a paid apprenticeship because I got to be the right hand man of this, of this small manufacturing business. And we were just growing like crazy because in retrospect, I thought it was because I was a genius, but it turns out that there was a real estate bubble, you know, and like everybody was, all these companies had all this money to buy things. And so everybody thought it was just going to keep going. And so they were investing in all these retail programs, which is what we did. And, and so fast forward to the raise, the time that I was 26 at the time and I got this salary and it was kind of like a uh, existential moment because that's what I was working for. You know, that salary mm -hmm. was what I thought success was. And I realized like some very basic truths at that moment, which is like, I didn't control where I could be. I didn't control my life basically. And even though I had gotten to what successful was like, I had no freedom. I couldn't go live in another country. Um, and that was, that was, yeah, that was kind of like the crushing blow for me. It's strange. It's such a kind of a wanky thing to say, I guess. <laughs> but it, it took that vision of success kind of, I had to be there and see it and realize that, okay, no, you know, this isn't prestige. This isn't success. You, can, you don't even, you're a grown man and you can't, you know, have an extended lunch in the middle of the day. Because people are going to start asking questions about where's Dan. And um, that just was a, a situation that I found um, untenable. Like I wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to live that way anymore. So I think at the same time I was reading a lot of blogs. So they started to present these new ideas that were popping up in the mid-2000s, you know, mm -hmm. ideas about the internet, 
about the potential of it. And that's about when four hour work week hit. And I was, I read that book in the first month it was released. And I started my business with a dreamline and with Ian, my business partner, we sat down and we said, okay, well, what do we want? Well, I want to be able to live in a foreign country for a year. I want to be able to, you know, and I just started listening and it's like, well, okay, let's build a business to do that. So Ian was the guy with the, with the ideas and he kind of like, there was this one moment when he uh, invited me out to a bar and he's like, Hey man, I'm going to share with you something, but you can't, you can't tell anybody about this. You know, he's like a conspiratorial dude. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's this guy going to show me? Did he kill somebody? What's going on? <laughs> and he pulls out this funky looking picture of a, uh, well, I didn't even know what it was. What is that? And he's like, it's a cat jungle gym. <laughs> and it's like a cool looking cat jungle gym. And this is the thing that he was worried about me sharing. I'm like, I'm, I'm not telling anybody about this. It's crazy. <laughs> but his point was like, Look, if we want to be in control of our lives, we need to own products. We need to sell products. And we worked for this company that we were service providers. And so, you know, we were getting jerked around by our clients all day long, doing what these people wanted us to do all day long, like, you know, getting stressed out on behalf of these people. And his point was like, I know this thing looks dumb, but I don't think there's any high-end furniture for cats, and I don't see why there shouldn't be. And if we own this product, maybe we can get some freedom in our lives. So fast forward a week later or whatever, and we ask the guy who was our boss to have for a meeting. And we kind of say, look, man, we, should, we need products. We say the same thing to him. And he's a cool guy, and he understood, and he's like, okay, let's do it. And we shook hands on it, and we all own 33% of this company that didn't exist, except in Ian's notebook. (laughs) (laughs) So um, our first company was called moderncatdesigns.com. It still exists. You can find it on the web. And it's a company that creates high-end furniture for felines. How long were you running that business, Dan, before you and Ian moved abroad? We started the business in 2007. In 2008, I moved to Vietnam. And then when the financial crisis hit, I moved back. Okay. And then a few months later, I listened to John Jonas on Internet Business Mastery Podcast. And he said, hey, y'all dumb if you don't hire Filipinos. And so I was like, cool. I got on a plane and moved to the Philippines at that point and hired software developers in the Philippines. Because if you'll recall, uh, you know, well, I guess WordPress existed, but it was in its infancy. You couldn't do e-commerce on WordPress. Mm-hmm. And so to sell these pieces of cat furniture, um, we needed to make our own sites. And it was like really expensive back then. And so that's part of the drive of the Philippines is that you could hire a Drupal developer for about $1,000 a month. Um, and if somebody in California doing the same thing could be eighty grand a year. So that's how I ended up in the Philippines. So you recently sold this business about a year, year and a half ago or so. And one of the things I remember you mentioning that, you know, it was a good cat. Question mark, question mark, question mark, profit, right? Success. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I I remember you mentioning, Dan, that it was a good cash flowing business. And a lot of people were confused on why you decided to sell it. So I, I would just like to hear from you a little bit more on 
the decision to sell a good solid business when everything for the most part was kind of running well on its own yeah um so there's part of me that wouldn't have sold it if we could do it again so i right i think you're hitting on something hmm. valuable in my experience like yeah i don't know like there's so many forces at play first off the decision was more important for ian than for me my business partner because like you mentioned at the top of the show i have more or less been fully focused on tropical mba and dc for years and so the decision about selling the business was way more impactful for ian because he was in charge of a staff of over 15 people and he was the one that needed to ultimately be responsible for that business and you know so i can't speak for him but he had meant he's mentioned that he felt like he wasn't growing that it was just a little bit boring you know and then there's the undeniable uh triggers of of the opportunity to have an exit the opportunity to uh get like kind of life-changing money um and to do it before any kind of major economic downturn happens. You remember, we started our business after the financial crisis. Right. Or, you know, in the wake of it and kind of went up with the rising tide. And when you have uh, lots of liabilities, you know, we have huge kind of cash in and cash out every month. You have a warehouse, you have employees, insurance, tons of inventory, all these things. You, you sometimes think, well, maybe I'll just get out while the getting's good. <laughs> so um it's it's really complex and it was just kind of something that occurred to us that we could do it's like hey man we you know we can sell this thing right and people would give us a lot of money for it and we just kind of thought yeah let's let's try let's dig in dan to what you've got going today and you're running the tropical nba podcast and blog and then the dynamite circle community and oh. is that five years old or six years old now i started a podcast in 2009 uh -huh. um so that would be uh i guess eight years and then man i'm getting old and then um <laughs> getting old i've been old <laughs> and then uh and uh, the dc started in 2011 let's talk about the early days of the dc from what I hear, it was just an idea of you knew a lot of location independent entrepreneurs and why not put a conference together? It started as a, uh, a mastermind phone call, actually. Mm -hmm. So if you like look at the registry of members, like member number one through member number six, those were the people on my mastermind. Uh, and so a mastermind is when every week, in our case, it was every week we got on the phone. And I'd be like, hey, I'm Dan. Hey, guys, uh, you know, here's what I got done. You know, I promised last week that I would, you know, finish hiring this new employee. I did. And, it, you know, I'd really like to get your feedback on this new project I'm working on. Do you think I'm being dumb or whatever? And we'd go around the circle and all six of us would do that. And it was just really, really helpful because, you know, there was nobody in my life that did this stuff that I was doing. You know, everybody just... Like even my best friends, they kind of thought I was uh, – <laughs> there's this kind of tone that people take with you, like kind of like you're 
maybe like you're a little crazier or you're a little <laughs> off, you know? And I think they all kind of felt sorry for me. It was this weird situation. <laughs> I was like, dude, guys, I'm living my dream. And like the more you try to convince them, you know, the more they're like, yeah, yeah, cool, man. It's great. Like dreams are, dreams are great, man. You know? And, uh, so getting on this call with these six people was awesome, you know? Cause it's like, yeah, like that's bill. And he has a, xx business and like he's not freaking crazy he's just knows about stuff that almost nobody knows about mm -hmm. and we swap notes and, and i think we just started uh we started a little uh we had like a little forum of, i think it was a vanilla forum at the time where we would just like drop in links from that week hey man uh i heard you mentioned about sales pages here's a good piece of software or whatever so fast forward so that was the beginning of the dc and then I forget why we call it the DC or whatever. It was because it was a circle of us in a mastermind. Mm -hmm. And um, fast forward a few weeks later, and I'm like, hey, uh, I was making a visit to one of my friend's resorts in the Philippines. And at the time, I had all these interns. That was like my hiring strategy. Um, I realized like when I moved to Asia that the hiring market was like there was a sweet there was a sweet moment where I realized that uh, sweet moment in time, I suspect that people like wanted to travel and like leave the conventional career career path so bad that they were willing to come be interns if it meant they could kind of get out of their jobs, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, like I started hiring these interns and I started like co-living with them in Asia. And at the time I was co-living with them in Bali and there was a handful of us in this house uh, an entrepreneur house, if you will. And uh, I was going to go visit one of my buddies in the Philippines, and I just invited everybody. I said, hey. Well, and everybody was like, yeah, let's go. It would be, be really fun. And so I posted on my blog. I was like, there's going to be like six of us at this resort, and we're all pretty cool people. You know, Does anybody want to join us? Like, Is there anybody else like us that's doing Internet stuff? And like 22 people came out of the woodwork. Wow. Uh, and like, you know, some really interesting people like Simon Payne, for example, you know, Simon, he was studying uh, freaking how to kill people in the South. I mean, I'm not <laughs> for sure he was like there's this martial art in the Philippines called Arnis that it's all about mm -hmm. knife skills. So he was like living with these dudes in South Philippines and he's like, yeah, I'm going to come hang out with you guys. And, <laughs> and we all sat around in a circle uh, at the resort and we did the same thing. We all shared our stories, and it was just awesome. Like, here are 22 people that everybody in their lives thinks they're crazy, and we're all sitting at this resort together in paradise and just kind of like a support group, like, hey, you're not crazy. And uh, that was really the beginning of it all. Fast forward today, the DC's at 1,100 members or so? I think it's 13. 13. And... I really like the concept of the DC because I like the fact that you... By the way, don't, don't quote me on that number. You're going to have to check with Jessica if you want the real, <laughs> real good. Jessica, I'm not a numbers guy. Jessica, reply in the comments on the exact number of the DC, please. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you, your goal with the DC is kind of to keep it smaller or more close and intimate, for example. So I'd like to know... You know, you've had the opportunity to grow it larger than what it is. I'd like to know your thoughts behind that and why you decided to do that. Well, 
some of these things aren't active decisions. I mean, just being a part of the community, you know, like you realize that certain communities scale differently than others. And our community is about relationships. And so you can't just take a bunch of new people and dump them in and expect it to work. And so I don't know, I don't know how much of it is a strategy and how much of it is just the reality of being a part of that community and like responding to the needs of the community. I just know that if I was out um, pushing the DC hard, um, here's the thing, like if I sell the DC to people, the wrong people are going to sign up. That's the issue. Mm. (laughs) And so I think it's just a matter of like presenting it in a way that it magnetizes the right types of members. Um, if you present the DC as this solution for people, right, or an opportunity for people, then people that have opportunity seekers are going to come and people that expect you to serve them, you know, as clients, for example, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, um, I've had conversations, contentious conversations, people are like, you know, I pay you membership dues. You need, you should be doing this for me. And like, I can't believe that you didn't do this or whatever. And it's like, well, sorry, but it's not a service for you. It's a community. And like, you can't treat people poorly and then say, I pay money for this. It's like, you don't get it, you know, you're out. And, and so it's, it it is a community for people who kind of get, get it. They, They understand how to operate around others to, give more than they take and it's just not everybody that it's not for everybody you know mm-hmm. and and from a business perspective that's not great um you know maybe we should have a product that could be for everybody <laughs> <laughs> but we don't we have a community <laughs> so i, I want to share my perspective when i first found the dc and i want to see if you in my experience being in the DC, and I want to see if you would agree with the way that I see it as the way you see it. So I see, you know, I was incredibly relieved when I found the DC because I had been traveling and living abroad for a couple years and had real a lot of difficulty not being around like-minded people. And now I see the DC being involved in it for a few years as a movement, but a movement to redefine really the way that people work and live. And not because that was the intention of the movement, but what has happened with the movement because of the people that have joined the DC. And I see it really as the forefront runner of an organization that is transforming life in many ways. And so I'm curious if you feel the same way about the DC and what your thoughts are on my perspective of it. I think you're giving the DC credit when you should be giving yourself credit because you're the guy who had defined this unique path, you know, for yourself and for your business. And, um, you just can't walk into a, a cafe in Barcelona and expect that people have made such radical decisions, particularly at the time that you made them. And, and so, yeah, it's just, it's a matter of just like response to like, and people that have gone through extraordinary things, 
they want to be able to share that with others that have done the same. That's the thing, you know? And so the DC is just one place where you can meet others who've made the same kind of sacrifice and decisions and hard work that you have and have a similar perspective on the possibilities for career and for life. Um, and those people are rare. And I think that that's really what it's about. Is this is just one of these places that you can, you can see these people. And back to your earlier point, you know, that, the difference between a community and a service is that, you know, you have to earn, like, access and um, here's a, while we're telling scandalous stories, I mean, <laughs> people, people have left the D.C. because they felt like the D.C. didn't respect them enough, you know? They didn't get enough um, exposure to their products or, or their, what they were up to. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, but you have to earn that. You know, like right. you don't, there's a, a guy named Dan Norris who's in the DC today talking about, he founded a business in the DC that was a seven figure business and he was just thanking people and he was offering payback. He was uh, typing out thousand word replies to people's questions. And that's a guy that gives, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he earned the respect. And I think that that's part of what it, you're talking about is that like, You'd been doing it for years. You'd been around the world. You'd, you'd grown your stuff, and that's rare. And you want to meet other people who've done the same sorts of things, not people that are drive-by interested in the concept, you know? Mm -hmm. um, tourists, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to hang out with tourists. <laughs> Backpackers, yeah. <laughs> Dan, what has been some of your biggest takeaways from building a DC? Um. Yeah, I mean, wow, I don't know. It's interesting because I don't talk about the DC very much except with other DCers. I don't, I don't talk about it. Uh, I just think it's been fun, I guess. Like, that's the biggest thing that I think of, you know? Like, you, we were just chatting before this uh, call. That's why I'm here. And we were talking about we're going we're gonna to have uh, a get-together in Barcelona this year. And like, what, who, who are the cool people that are going to come? And like, how are we going to organize it? And uh, it's just awesome meeting with like people that are just so special, you know, just quirky, unique, smart. Um, that's, that's the coolest thing for me. That's the takeaway. It's like always just worth doing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, sometimes it's not the most business oriented thing, you know, but it, a lot of our decisions aren't like business decisions. They're more like what, what would be something that's worth doing, you know? Right. So I don't know. It's kind of a strange way. It's funny. Like uh, you describe me as an entrepreneur at the top, and uh, sometimes I don't really think of myself as an entrepreneur because um, I think of like a lot of people in the DC as entrepreneurs, you know? Mm -hmm. Like these guys that are really successful. Uh, they're really focused on deals and they know how to make investments and know how to, you know, they're really decisive and all this stuff. And, um, for me, it was like entrepreneurship was like a means, uh, to the end, you know? Um, I don't know if I'm just this guy who sits around and like money flows my direction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like that hardcore entrepreneur. And so maybe the DC then fits my personality pretty well. It's more like, 
a really cool thing to do with really cool people. What has been the biggest challenge of building the TC? Mm, I think emotionally it's difficult for me uh, because in a community, like it's kind of like a family, you know, and like there can be people get mad at you for stuff and uh, people, they feel disrespected for whatever reason, or they feel like you have, you've done them wrong or, um, they feel like you should make a decision differently and they'll give you hell about it because it's not, you know, you're not a cable TV provider or whatever. <laughs> There's someone they can talk directly to you about, uh, that. So I, I guess I've found that to be unique in this business. Um, but I also think that's good part of it because the opposite happens too. It's like how nice you were to me earlier during this conversation, a lot of people come up to me and say, Hey man, you know, thanks for doing this because you know, like me and my wife met at your event and we started a successful business or whatever. You know, it's like awesome. Like, so I think that's the good with the bad there. Um, but I don't know. In terms of challenges, it's tough because it's been this is just so much has happened, and we had to learn how to do things our own way. I think that that's a a lesson we learned. For example, um, business conferences. You know, there's just like this way that they've been done, and that people expect them to be done. And it's tempting when you get into business that like, well, what you do? You just hire somebody who throws events, and they're an event coordinator, and you have them throw your event, and. Uh, we realized that you know, doing things our own way is more important to us and rethinking those things. So you can't just take like off-the-shelf solutions to these problems that pop up in your unique community um, because it's a unique community and it needs a unique solution. So it's, uh, I don't get to like go and Google and say, how do I fix my sales funnel? Or how do I convert you know, high-level deals on the phone? There's not like a training course or like a best practices for this sort of thing. So that's probably the most challenging is that you have to be decisive and confident about the way you want to push things because um, there's not a lot of accepted uh, wisdom on the topic that I know of. Where do you think the DC and the tropical NBA is headed in the next five to 10 years? I think it's... Um, headed towards its most dedicated and successful members, the people who have applied the concepts of location independence and like really seen the fruit of it. Um, and I think the role of the community is to, you know, aid and abet their success. <laughs> <laughs> so I see the community following its most successful members and finding new, you know, there's new challenges. Um, what started as a group of people who escaped corporate life ended up as a community of business leaders, people that are growing the types of organizations that, you know, established businesses want to build and buy. And so it's kind of a strange thing that happened, right? Is like what started out as this like fringe has become the leaders. And I think, those people need different sorts of things. And so there's always new challenges that are going to come up. It's hard to predict exactly what they're going to be. And one last question, Dan. If you weren't working on TMBA and the DC 
What do you think you'd be doing? Um, that's an interesting question. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I probably would be doing, uh, I like what I do a lot. So I think I would, I would do it in a different niche. So I would take a similar sort of approach like, you know, what I really wanted to be when I was younger, uh, I just wanted to read and write. And uh, so I thought about being a professor. But uh, the reason I couldn't be a professor is because they don't make enough money and they can't travel. And those were like non-negotiables for me. <laughs> I was like, I grew up without money and I'm not going to continue to live without money. That's just not, you know. Mm-hmm. My parents are awesome. And they're the kind of parents that I like, all these kids in high school have all this stuff, you know. I'll go to my parents and be like, hey, mom and dad, I want a bike or whatever. I want a car. I want a new jeans or whatever. And they'd be like, awesome. That's awesome that you want that. Great. <laughs> and they were just like, that would be the end of the conversation. You know? And so, like, I really got to, they let me experience, like, that if you want something, that's great. <laughs> you know and so when i was making career decisions you know i was thinking you know i want to be able to have the stuff that i want you know and it turns out i don't want that much stuff i just don't want to have a job and i want to be able to get on a plane get a new pair of jeans you know i don't need too much but um i realized that it was difficult to get that as a professor um and particularly if you're not that sharp so I think what I would do is I'd take those skills of communicating, writing, reading, learning, and I'd apply them in a niche that I'm fascinated by. So, um, you know, I look at somebody like what Simon Black's doing, for example. Um, Simon Black is a talented writer, and he covers internationalization, banking, investing, all these things. But he very much has a voice, his own perspective on these issues. It's kind of like a James Bond kind of character. You know, like I just showed up in Istanbul and here's what the currency's at. I'd love to do something like that, um, but with my own perspective and my own voice. And, uh, yeah, I think I'd do something similar, just different. Same, same, but different. <laughs> Any other wisdom you'd like to share with the listeners before we sign off, Dan? Yeah, I'll, I'll give a parting shot. Uh, while we're talking about communities, entrepreneur house, entrepreneur society, could I? Oh, did I just? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. You Sorry. can say whatever you want. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I can um, edit all this out. You know. <laughs> I would say uh, the. Well, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because, um, just thinking about like how to go from zero to one. You know, I'm assuming a, a large part of the audience is is wanting to do what you're doing, but they're not there yet. I think that things like the entrepreneur house is actually the most effective way to get from zero to one. And the reason is, is that like, I think entrepreneurship is a know how, not a know that. So it's like riding a bike. You can't just read a bunch of books about riding a bike and then ride a bike. It doesn't work that way. And I think it's the same with entrepreneurship. And so being in the entrepreneur house or in anything similar, it's like that. You actually have to do stuff. You have to like kind of pant- like do the motions and start to feel what it feels like to do entrepreneurial things. Um, another way to do that uh, is to get a job at a small company 
where you work directly with the founder of the company and that you make meaningful decisions. Um, that's a that's probably a better way to do it. But either way, I think when people get that, like they believe what I'm saying right now, which is that like you just can't keep coming home late at night and reading books and reading pod or listening to podcasts and expect anything to happen. Um, you need to do stuff. And the easiest way to do that is just to get yourself in a situation where you don't have any choice. So that's my parting shot. I love it, man. And I would completely agree and return your shout to say that surrounding yourself with these people, like you do at the Entrepreneur House or at the DC conferences, is also a very, very, very valuable way to move in that direction. Dan. Totally. Dan, I, I got to give you a huge thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate your time and I've really enjoyed this chat because we got a lot of time to dig into the mind and philosophy of Dan Andrews. And so we, were, we really appreciate that. Thanks a lot for coming on. My pleasure. Anytime. If the listeners want to get a hold of you, where would they do that at? Yeah, just go to my website, tropicalmba.com. I got uh, so much stuff there. I don't even know where you would begin, but uh, yeah, it's been since 2009. So um, we have uh, plenty more uh, philosophies and uh, strange ideas for you to dig into if you're so interested. Absolutely. And their podcast too, you guys, is over 300 episodes now and they keep on bringing out great content. So yeah, Dan, thanks again for coming on the show. Listeners, thank you for tuning in once again, and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for six and seven figure entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for attendees, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year, our main event will be held in Chiang Mai, Thailand. It is four weeks from October 26th to November 24th and held for six and seven figure entrepreneurs only. It will be full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, co-working, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. This event will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested and have some questions, be sure to contact us through theentrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact. We will respond as soon as possible. For now, saludos from somewhere in the world.